The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. Over you simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. You are listening to ACH. I'm Andy, your host. Today I'm delighted to be welcoming back my good friend, Dr. Peter Hammond. I'm going to bring him up right now. Peter, are you with me? Yes, I am. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And folks, I've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks since Peter broached the idea to me. The title of today's show is The Real Story Behind the Six-Pointed Star. So, Peter, where would you like to start us off today? Well, Andrew, I'm sure you and our listeners have noticed that the six-pointed star is saturating literature and jewellery and crystals and books and other religious articles. And it's not just in synagogues that you see it, but now increasingly in a lot of Christian churches. And the hexagram decorates car stickers, prayer shawls, Bibles, posters, logos, signs, and of course, most promptly it flies in the flag of the state of Israel. And it's extraordinary how many people take it for granted when they hear, oh, that's the star of David, and uh, that's the star of the Jews. And uh, the assumption is that King David actually wore this star, although we'll get into that, there's zero evidence of that. Uh, In fact, the evidence is that he had a menorah on uh, the seven-pointed candlestick on his shield. But uh, The hexagram, or the six-pointed star, consists of two triangles. One triangle turns upwards, and the other turns downward. And this six-pointed star has been in existence for millenniums, at least three millenniums, probably a whole lot more. It was called the hexagram, and then it got known as the Seal of Solomon. And very recently, it's been called the Star of David. And so I was intrigued to know what's its origins and symbolism, because you will see Christians wearing a a cross with a six-pointed star or uh, the hexagram hexagram with a cross in the middle of it. And when you ask them why, uh, they say, oh, the Star of David and so on and so forth. Uh, But um, it's, do you know its origins? And of course, people don't, but they assume It's got to be good because Hollywood promotes it and Hollywood would never promote anything bad, would they? Well, here's an interesting thing. Just going to Jewish sources. In the Jewish Connection, written by M. Hirsch Goldberg, he states the Star of David is not of Jewish origin and the ancient Israelites never used it as their religious symbol. That's pretty categoric. 
Hirsch Goldberg explains, perhaps most ironic, the very sign of the Jew in today's world, the six-point star, is not really the historic symbol of Jewry, nor was it used as a religious sign by the Israelites. It became the emblem of the Jewish people in 1897, when the Zionist conference convened by Theodor Herzl chose it as the insignia of their movement. And even though each of the 12 tribes had its own symbol, not one tribe used the Star of David. And uh, that's true. So Mr. Goldberg observes, construction workers were apparently digging in Ramah near Tel Aviv when they found the six-pointed star embedded into a mosaic floor, which is about 1,200 years old. However, it was established the floor was Muslim, not Hebrew. And so again, that's recorded in the Jewish connection by M. Goldberg, uh, published in New York by Stein and Day back in 1976. So the Universal Jewish Encyclopedia reported that the six-pointed star is of ancient origin, used by the Rosa Christians and known to the ancient Egyptians and the Hindus and the Chinese and the Peruvians. So the Jewish Encyclopedia describes the six-point star as two equally lateral triangles that are interlaced so as to form a hexagonal star, every point of which touches a circle of the same radius as the other of their six sides. It's one of the six sides. Now, this should make us concerned because in the Bible, in Amos 5, verse 25 to 27, we read, God rebuking the children of Israel. Did you offer me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness 40 years, O house of Israel? You carried Sikoth, your king, and Chion, your idols, the star of your gods, which you made for yourselves. Therefore, I will send you into captivity beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. So the Lord is rebuking the children of Israel in Amos 5 for carrying Chion and Sikoth, who were the star of your gods. So this is the only mention of a star being carried by the children of Israel. Now, Remphan and Chion were known as a star to the ancient Egyptians and mentioned during the exodus of the Hebrews. So the Hebrews came out of 400 years in Egypt and they carried with them some idols, such as the golden calf, but also, according to Amos, they carried the star of their gods, which included Chion and Ramphan and Sikoth. So Acts 7 verse 43, we have in the excellent discourse by the martyr Stephen, you also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Remphan, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. So Acts 7.43 is reminding us in the New Testament of what Amos 5 is rebuking the people of Israel of, it's idolatry. And one of the idolatries was a star that they carried, which came out of Egypt, and it represented Chion and Remphan. And the Jewish Encyclopedia lists the following mentions of the six-pointed star on an Arabic amulet in Byzantine magic text in alchemy as the stonemason's sign. In fact, even today, I've seen a number of Freemason temples where they've got the hexagon, the six-pointed star, uh, on their, normally above their door, sometimes inside the hall, uh, above their uh, platform or stage area. And so the stonemason sign, still quoting from the Jewish Encyclopedia, in the coat of arms of the Freemasons, as the order of the seal of Solomon, 
So the Jewish encyclical, and by the way, the Freemasons date themselves back to the time of Solomon too, of course. So the Jewish encyclopedia reports that from the 16th century on, that's the 1500s, this hexagonal six-pointed star symbol began to be used by Jewish people. It was associated to the Kabbalist Isaac Luria. So until the 16th century, the menorah, that's the seven-pointed uh, candlestick, had been the accepted shield of David. However, from the 16th century on, the six-pointed star began replacing the menorah on synagogues and on Jewish religious articles. So the Jewish encyclopedia states it is only in Jewish sources that the interlaced triangles are called the shield of David, as the non-Jewish sources call the symbol the seal of Solomon, which is very interesting. The Jewish encyclopedia describes Isaac Luria as a Kabbalist. Now, the Kabbalah is more occultic than rabbinic. And uh, Isaac Luria lived in the 16th century from 1533 to 1572. He claimed that one man could be master of the terrestrial world. And the writing of amulets, the conjuring of spells, of magic jugglery with members led to increase as the influence of the school spread. So that's all quoting from the Jewish Encyclopedia that it's Kabbalist occult and amulets and conjuring of devils and magic juggery that led to the popularity of the hexagon being used in the 16th century on as the Jewish symbol. So just as many Christians today use astrology without necessarily knowing how dangerous it is and how occultic it is, many Jews use the Talmud without understanding how steeped in occultism the Talmud is. It comes out of Babylon, not out of the Bible. In Hosea 4 verse 6 we read, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, it's quite clear that King David never used the hexagon, even though people today, including Christians, called the Star of David. And it's, in fact, a real disinformation campaign that's made people think that. The Jewish encyclopedia describes the hexagon, that's the six-pointed star, as the magic seal of King Solomon. The Jewish almanac reports that the six-pointed star hexagon is not Jewish. Muslims call it the seal of Solomon. The shield carried by King David uh, on the battlefield was traditionally engraved with either the name of God or with the menorah. And there is no biblical evidence, there's no historical evidence, there's no archaeological evidence to ever suggest that King David ever used the six-pointed star. So to call it the star of David is actually not only ignorant uh, and dishonest, but it's actually slandered, it's bearing false witness against a man of God who God said is a man after his own heart. So how and when did the Star of Remphan become the seal of Solomon and to be called the Star of David? Well, we read in 1 Kings 11, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as his father David did. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he likewise did for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and I will give it to your servant. 
So that's in 1 Kings 16, 6 to 11. Now, one of the idols worshipped by Solomon was Ashtaroth. And Ashtoreth, otherwise called Astarte, means star. And we read in 2 Kings 22, verse 13, Go and inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book, which has been found. How great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. So, obviously, as the Bible forbids idolatry, and as Josiah rediscovered the books of the law, and as he was reading it, he understood why God was so angry with them, because they were ignorantly, wickedly uh, following these idols and were carrying around the star of Ramphan and uh, the star of Ashtaroth and Astarte. And uh, interestingly, in the 13th tribe written by Arthur Kostler, uh, the 13th tribe published in New York by Random House in 1976, he wrote the six-pointed star or the hexagram is a magical emblem which dates back only to the 12th century AD. At that time, an Ashkenazid Jew, Menahem ben Duji, tried to convince his people he was the Messiah. And he changed his name to David Elroy. And he amassed troops in Khazaria in Kurdistan. And he is assassinated on his way to liberate Palestine. From the 13th century on, the six-pointed star was attributed to him and first appeared in a Jewish flag in Prague in 1527. So when some people called the Star of David, the question is, which David? It would seem it's David Alroy, correctly named Menahem ben Duji. The Encyclopedia Britannica of 1974 identifies the six-pointed star as a magical sign which practical magic Kabbalah popularized the use of the Magen David. That's the Jewish term, the Magen David or the the uh, Star of David, as a protection against the evil spirits. So that's Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, the Jewish Encyclopedia mentions another David in its volume 12, telling of a third century tombstone of Leon ben David at the synagogue of Capernaum in Galilee, claiming that the six-pointed star was known to the ancient Egyptians. So apparently there was another David back in the third century who used the six-pointed star. So you've got two possible Davids, other than King David, after whom the Star of David could be named. And they certainly were not followers of the Lord, that's for sure. So we also read in 2 Kings 23, 13, Then the king defiled the high place that were east of Jerusalem, which were on the south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, king of Israel, had built for Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Sidonians, for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the people of Ammon. So you can see repeated again in the scriptures, God's condemnation of Solomon for building high places, places of worship, uh, and also child sacrifice, by the way, uh, under the star, the six-pointed star, the seal of Solomon, this um, hexagon, this occultic symbol. Leviticus 18 verse 3 says, according to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwelt, you shall not do. According to the doings of the land of Canaan, where I bring you, you shall not do, nor shall you walk in the ordinances. And yet we read in Judges 2, 11 to 13, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord, God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and 
the Ashtoreths, and Ashtoreths were those who worshipped Astarte, or the star. So that's in Judges 2. Psalm 106, verse 36 to 41 says, they served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons, and they shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus they were defiled by their own works, and they played the harlot by their own deeds. Therefore the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people, so that he abhorred his own inheritance. And he gave them into the hands of the Gentiles, and those who hated them ruled over them. We read in Amos 5.21 in, in the same context as rebuking them for picking up the idol of their god of Ramphan, the star of Ramphan, that I hate, I despise your feast days, I do not savor your sacred assemblies. That's Amos 5.21. So the Pictorial Bible Dictionary, published in Grand Rapids, Michigan by Zondervan, and edited by Merrill Tenney, notes that Chion, C-H-I-U-N, Chion, also called Kaiwen or Kion, means star, and the star of Saturn was worshipped as a god. So Amos 5.26 is repeated in Acts 7.43 in rebuking the people of Israel for their idolatrousness in worshipping the star. And in the reference in the pictorial Bible dictionary, it says the star of the god Remphan, that's R-E-M-P-H-A-N, Remphan. The word Remphan means the star Saturn. And in the interpreter's Bible, it notes that Chion was a star, the object of idolatrous worship, which is condemned in Amos 5.26. You also carried Chion, your idols, the star of your gods, which you made for yourself. So it's quite clear that there's no indication anywhere in the Bible of God telling the people of Israel to use a star or of King David using a star to symbolize. But we do have repeated warnings about worshipping a star and using a star and lifting up a star and having an, a star as an idol which represents Ashtaroth who required child sacrifices uh, or Moloch who required child sacrifices or Baal who required child sacrifices so you see a Patnia or Chion who represented the star or the planet as we call it now Saturn uh, all of which required child sacrifices and so we've got to ask who is perpetuating the abortion industry in the world today? Who is it who's killing children? Uh, who is it who's promoting blasphemy and idolatry? And so Amos 5.26, you carried Chion, your idols, the star of your gods, which you made for yourselves. The Encyclopedia Judaica reports, it's not clear in which period the hexagram was engraved on the seal of Solomon, mentioned in the Talmud as a sign of his dominion over demons. It goes on to say that the seal of Solomon, or the hexagram, was used widely in Arabic magic. So even the Jewish encyclopedias see that it was an Arabic and an ancient Egyptian a pagan symbol. In the book Ancient Pagan Symbols, which is also recorded in the Sorcerer's Handbook by Wade Baskin, published by Setzadil Press in uh, Syracuse, uh, we read that the triangle, the geometrical emblem of three things, one above, two, and two lower, united to protrude higher, or the union of a positive and a negative force to produce the third, is the most complex and mystical of all. It's the most uncompromising of all symbols. So they're talking about the hexagon, where you've got two triangles, one pointing upwards, the other pointing downwards. This is the most uncompromising of all symbols. It's the most complex and mystical of all. 
It is the very soul of magic, astrology, and divination. I'm quoting straight out of ancient pagan symbols. The Encyclopedia of Occultism by Lewis Spence, published by Universe Books in New York, 1960, declares the six-pointed star is the chief magical diagram for special occultic rites. So the book goes on to talk about the Hindu triad and the Buddhist triad, and according to the Sorcerer's Handbook, King Solomon, traditionally known as the Arch-Magician, used a spell to banish inferno beings sent by the King of Demons to extract human souls. So plainly, this is a very occultic symbol, the very soul of magic, astrology, and divination, to quote ancient pagan symbols. In the history and practice of magic, Paul Christian, uh, published in Syracuse uh, in, New, in New Jersey, uh, he says the six-point star is called the talisman of Satan. It is used in the practice of worship to Astareth, or Astarte, and Moloch, long before Solomon was born, an all-powerful talisman. So, the hexagram has been seen even before the time of Solomon as an all-powerful talisman or occultic magical symbol. In the book, A Witch's Grimoire of Ancient Omens, Portents, Talismans, Amulets, and Charms, published in New York by Parker Publishing, it identifies the six-pointed star as an occultic symbol. And Webster's Dictionary defines occultism as hidden, secret, mysterious, from the Latin word occultere, to conceal of the mystical arts such as magic and astrology. And so it makes sense when you read in 1 Kings 11, 5 to 7, for Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not fully follow the Lord, as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the people of Ammon. So again, we sing repeated time and again, Solomon did evil. Solomon went idolatrous. Solomon whored after foreign gods. Solomon worshipped the star Ashtoreth, Astarote. And in Leviticus 20, verse 6, we read, And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself for them, I will set my face against that person, and I will cut him off from his people. And that is the reason why the kingdom of Israel was was split, divided uh, in between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, uh, between Israel and Judah, as immediately after the death of Solomon, as a judgment upon the house of Solomon for this idolatry. So now it gets very interesting. The six-pointed star, the hexagram, was adopted by the Rothschild family and put on a coat of arms and called the Red Shield. Meyer Amschel Bauer, who later changed the name to Rothschild, or Red Shield, lived between 1744 and 1812, and he had five sons. Amschelmeyer, who remained in Frankfurt, Germany, Solomon Meyer, who settled in Vienna, Austria, and Nathan Meyer, who settled in England, and Karl Meyer, who settled in Naples, Italy, and James Meyer, who settled in Paris. And since the 17th century, the House of Rothschild, through these sons and their descendants, has dominated the banking house of Europe and later the United States of America too, with the exception of, of Russia, of course, that, that we discussed in the previous program. But in 1897, Dr. Theodor Herzl conducted the first Zionist conference in Basel, Switzerland, and the six-pointed star was adopted as a symbol of Zionism, according to who's who in Jewish history, 
edited by Joan Comoy, published in New York uh, by David Mackay. Now, during the First World War, the Zionist Congress came to the British Foreign Office and said they didn't need to accept the Kaiser's proposals for peace in 1916, because if they gave a guarantee that Palestine would be handed over for, to the Zionists for building a Jewish state, the Zionist Federation guaranteed to bring America to the war. And of course, Lord Alfred Balfour wanted to know how on earth they proposed to do this. And they assured him that was in their power through their control of media in America to turn America from an isolationist country where 85% opposed involvement in the war to a country where they would be involved and commit their armies and their massive industrial might uh, to uh, break the stalemate on the Western Front. And so the Balfour Declaration, which was issued, you'll notice, was addressed to Lord Rothschild, ensuring that Britain would ensure that a Jewish state was established in Palestine following the war. Uh, so that's intriguing. But Zionism does not necessarily represent Israel, because Rabbi Shulam ben Schneerschon wrote, but the Zionists are far more cunning in the evil, and they've made nationalism a substitute for Torah and commandments. And in his open letter, he said, a Jew is not one who's fulfilled the commandments anymore, but one who's a Zionist. The leader of the Zionists has set up an idol of nationalism, rebellion against the Lord, Yahweh, and denial of Torah and the commands of God on the very site of the temple of God. So this is written by Michael Selzer in Zionism Reconsidered. So there are many... Uh, traditional conservative Jews today who reject Zionism, reject the state of Israel, and reject the um, symbol of the hexagon for Israel and say, no, it's, it's the menorah. So uh, just to be clear, not all Jews support Zionism, not all Jews support the state of Israel, and not all Jews accept this hexagon as their symbol. Now, Theodore Herzl, the founder of the Zionist Congress, proposed for the Zionist movement, a white flag with seven gold stars. And he was overruled. Uh, it's it's um, interesting that the Rothschilds were the ones who suggested their red shield, their six-pointed star, their family symbol, which hung over their banks, to be accepted as the symbol of Zionism and later of the flag of Israel. Herzl then suggested that the six, that six gold stars should replace the points of the hexagram, and with one additional star, a seventh, put above the one on the apex. So, because seven is the biblical number, not six. And uh, then he wanted the words, Aria, Yehuda, or the Lion of Judah, written on the flag. Well, neither of these suggestions from Herzl were granted. And despite him being the founder of the Zionist Congress, Lord Rothschild's wishes were followed and the six-pointed star of the Rothschild Red Shield became the centerpiece of the later flag of the State of Israel. So, we see a progression here. The six-pointed stars moved from Egyptian pagan rituals of worship. It came to be associated with idols Ashtoreth and Moloch, who required child sacrifice. It was later associated with King Solomon after he fell into idolatry. And for millenniums, this hexagon has been used in astrology and magic arts and witchcraft and the occult. But since the 16th century, the Kabbalist group of Judaism began adopting it. And in the 18th century, 
late 1700s, Meyer, Amschelbauer, later Rothschild, adopted the hexagram as the symbol of his red shield. And thereafter, it became the symbol of Zionism, the Knesset of the new state of Israel, and the centerpiece of the flag of the state of Israel, and more recently, a religious symbol worn by both Christians and Jews. It's worth noting that the Jewish Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion declared in an interview with Look magazine back in 1962 that his vision was of the rising political importance of the state of Israel by using men of science and a federation of states having socialist regimes, a world alliance with an international police force controlled by the United Nations who would be based in Jerusalem to settle all controversies amongst all the federated continents. <laughs> that's uh, published back in 1962. That's, that's the vision. A new world order under the hexagram that would have a one world government, a one world religion, a one world economic system. So this begins to show some memories because now uh, in the book of Revelation, we warned of a force at the end who will seek to mobilize a one world government, a one world economic system and a one world religion. And we read about this in Revelation 13. And in fact, before I get there, let me go to Isaiah 14, because Isaiah 14 has a prophecy about Lucifer, Satan. Oh, how you've fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I'll be like the most high, yet you will be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. So that's in Isaiah 14, understood to be a prophecy against Satan, who once was Lucifer, who was a light bearer. He was an angel, an archangel, who fell through his rebellion against God. And uh, then in Revelation 13, we read, and the world marveled and followed the beast. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Now, who blasphemes God the most? Who blasphemes the name of God the most? Who blasphemes the place where God dwells? Who blasphemes those who dwell in heaven now, which is the faithful Christians of the past who've died or who martyred? So where do you see a blasphemy industry around the world which blasphemes against God, his name, and his people? Well, to continue with Revelation 13, it was granted to him, to the beast, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe and tongue and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So those who are not faithful to the Lord, those whose names are not written in the book of life, those who have not been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth, will have the mark of the beast and will worship the beast and will suffer with him. So in Revelation 13 verse 14 says, and he, the beast, deceives those who dwell on the earth. He was granted power and he caused as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, so that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the number of his name, or the number of the beast. Here's wisdom. Let him who is understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it's the number of a man. His number is 666. Now, it's notable, and a number of people have noticed this over the years, 
The hexagram is a six-pointed star with three sixes. It contains a six within a six within a six. There's six sides. There's six points. There's six triangles. Is the hexagram the 666? The 666 is a counterfeit trinity. It is a sign of the man of sin, the son of perdition, the beast. Now I'm referring to Daniel 11, 2 Thessalonians 2, Revelation 16. The man of perdition, the beast, uh, the, the man of sin, uh, their sign is 666. So the false prophet endorses the woeful king we read in Revelation 16 and Revelation 19. The beast monitors who's allowed to buy or sell or travel, and he works to prohibit those who do not have the mark, prohibits them from buying or selling. And the hexagram is a pagan symbol, and its fruits are in occultic magic and witchcraft, deeply, deeply rooted in the occult. And it's condemned by the God of Israel. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Six is not the number of God. The number seven is God's perfect number. The menorah, the seven-branched candlestick, has been a symbol of the Hebrew people since the time of the Exodus. In the book of Revelation, John saw a vision of the Lord in the midst of seven candlesticks. And God completed his work of creation and rested on the seventh day. And God blessed the seventh day and made a day of rest. And the ark rested in the seventh month of the flood. And seven candlesticks of gold were ordered by God to be made for the tabernacle. So plainly, uh, what we are seeing in the six-pointed star is a counterfeit. It's dangerous. It's occultic. No Christian should wear it. And actually, if anybody is a true Hebrew and a true Israelite, they would not want anything to do with something so associated with idolatry and occultism. So back to you, Andrew. Well, Peter, it, um, talking about 666, there's an article here, and I'll put it in the post for the show as well. I've covered it before. Um, this is from orientalreview.org. Bill Gates vaccinations, microchips, and patent 060606. It says, I'll go into the article, patent WO forward slash 2020 forward slash 060606 was registered on the 26th of March 2020. The patent application was filed by Microsoft Technology Licensing, LLC, headed by Bill Gates back on the 20th of June 2019, and on 22nd of April 2020, the patent was granted international status. The title of the patent is Cryptocurrency System Using Body Activity Data. So what is this invention that the people of Microsoft decided to patent? The abstract of the patent application online states, Human Body Activity associated with a task provided to a user may be used in a mining process of a cryptocurrency system. A server may provide a task to a device of a user which is communicatively coupled to the server. A sensor communicatively coupled or to or compromised in the device of the user may sense body activity of the user. Body activity data may be generated based on the sensed body activity of the user. 
the cryptocurrency system communicatively coupled to the device of the user may verify if the body activity data satisfies one or more conditions set by the cryptocurrency system and award cryptocurrency to the user whose body activity data is verified. In other words, a chip will be inserted into the body that monitors a person's daily physical activity in return for cryptocurrency. If conditions are met, then the person receives certain bonuses that can be spent on anything, on something, rather. So I find that very interesting that they chose the number 060606, Peter. What are your thoughts? Well, it's interesting. Uh, you may know also in South Africa that the number of, uh, the, the, the prison number of, of Nelson Mandela was 46664. And he patented the number and uh, they he's, they sold vast amounts of products, uh, everything from shirts onwards and caps and all with 46664. That was Nelson Mandela's number and, and he made it a, a, a business. I mean, very capitalist sort of thing, in fact, requiring a royalty for anyone who used uh, the number. So uh, 666 uh, in South Africa is also associated with Nelson Mandela. Intriguing uh, that you can see how the prophecies and the warnings in Revelation 13 about control, control over movements, control over uh, commercial activity can all be controlled. And it's all being controlled by a group that wants a one world government, a one world economic system, a one world religion, and whose number is 666. And they're also known by the fact that they blaspheme God, they blaspheme his name, they blaspheme those who are in heaven now. So this begins to make you wonder, who is the group most guilty of blasphemy who runs hollywood uh, why is hollywood such a blasphemy industry and it's not like they're blaspheming ball astaroth uh, for that matter they're not uh, blaspheming allah or um krishna uh, or kali or any of the hindu gods it's it's not buddha <laughs> it's it's interesting how the blasphemy coming out of hollywood is all against God and Christ, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, the only perfect person, the only truly good person to ever walk this planet. And what harm did he do to anybody? He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He fed the starving. He was merciful, gracious. He is the epitome of kindness and love. And yet he is the most hated person on the planet. And Hollywood is largely to blame for that. They promote atheism. They promote anti-Christian blasphemy. And so when I look at Revelation 13, I see this is intriguing. We can see here there's a people who revel in blasphemy and they have a desire for economic control, a one world government, a one world economic system, a one world religious system, and they blaspheme God and his people who are in heaven now. That's as faithful saints of the past. And of course, through so many Hollywood films and school textbooks, uh, which uh, this is based on a true story inspired by true events, which means that some of this might have happened or the name, uh, the names and the places are true, but the facts have been changed to protect the guilty and to demonize the victims. Uh, so, uh, yes, I, I think it's intriguing how often the number 666 comes up, but also the six-pointed star. Isn't it extraordinary the place it comes out and, and why are any Christians wanting to be associated with such an evil occultic star, which if anyone reads their Bibles carefully, see it's condemned by God as an abomination. 
Yes, I absolutely agree, and that's why this uh, show and all this research you put together, Peter, is so important. But I'll take it on to a, another level, because we've uh, determined that there is a patent out there. It's a Bill Gates one. It involves a chip in the in the body somewhere, which is exactly what uh, it's telling us, uh, mm. you know, in the book of Revelation, as you said. Well, uh, we've got a Conservative MP in the UK called Tobias Elwood. And on Monday this week, September the 28th, I think it's best I just read the article. It's only very brief from zerohedge.com. A Conservative MP has called for mandatory coronavirus vaccination certificates distributed by the army that will determine whether people will be allowed to travel internationally. During a debate in the British Parliament on Monday night, MP Tobias Elwood urged the Prime Minister to have the British Armed Forces oversee the COVID-19 vaccination rollout process. Noting that a coronavirus vaccine was potentially six months away, Elwood said mass vaccine rollout is an enormous responsibility responsibility, sorry, and we need to get it right. Elwood said he had written to Prime Minister Boris Johnson, urging him to give the power to a Ministry of Defence task force to ship the vaccines across the country and set up regional distribution hubs as well as developing a national database to track progress and issue the vaccination certificates. The MP said the vaccination certificates will probably have to be internationally recognised in order to allow travel and international travel. Elwood went on to make it clear that people who don't take the vaccine will see their sorry, that people who do take the vaccine will see their lives return to normality, while those who don't will still be subject to social distancing rules. The prospect of denying basic rights of mobility and travel to people who refuse to take a vaccine for personal, religious or medical reasons is shaping up to be a human rights minefield. Uh, a poll conducted by King's College London last month found that only 53% of Brits would be certain or likely to get vaccinated for COVID-19. One in six said they would definitely not get a vaccine or that it would be very unlikely. When extrapolated out to the population, this equates to 11 million people who, if Elwood's advice is taken, will be denied travel and treated like second-class citizens. So this is serious, folks. They are Basically, I believe what this vaccine is. I think it is the mark of the beast. Uh, Bill Gates numbered it as such. You know, what more evidence do people need? Back to you, Peter. Well, yes. Uh, just hearing what you're reporting about the vaccine, this sounds like a cross between George Orwell's 1984 and Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, uh, where you are drugged <laughs> into a stupor in a society that's highly technological, uh, where it's um, where people are controlled from birth to death by endless stimulation and uh, subdued through drugs. And when they talk about these vaccines, they're injecting something into your body. Now, we've heard over the years things being put into our water systems. Uh, we've heard about so much of our food systems being poisoned. You just think of how much uh, allergy there is today. Uh, people who are allergic to dairy or to bread, for goodness sakes, how on earth can something as basic as bread or milk cause allergies? But of course, the people aren't getting allergies to the bread or the milk, not the bread or milk that God has made available, but it's because of all the additives and hormones and all the sprays and all the different chemicals that are being put into the foods today. So that people are not generally speaking getting healthy food. And if people live off fast foods and they most certainly uh, not getting uh, healthy food as the way God made it. And for good health, we need pure uh, 
uh, uh, fresh air, we need clean water, we need good healthy food, we need good exercise, we need a good attitude. And uh, so uh, those five things are the requirements for good health in God's economy. But all of those things are being violated. You're not even allowed to breathe fresh air. <laughs> you need to wear a mask all over the place. Uh, uh, and it's bizarre. Uh, the attacks on... And I, I just listened to the program uh, with you and uh, uh, discussing the, the masquerade and why we should never wear masks. And uh, I, I can only fully agree with that, the whole sentiments there. So, yes, what we're facing right now is a New World Order uh, attempt to impose upon us what Aldous Huxley warned about in the 1930s in his Brave New World book and what uh, George Orwell warned us about in 1984, a uh, book written in 1948. Uh, but most of all, what should concern us very much is this is uncannily close to what is warned about in Revelation 13. The Bible gives us warnings when you get blasphemous people trying to work for one world government, a one world economic system, and a one world interfaith religion, uh, then you must know. And they're wanting to put a mark on you, very, very suspicious. And uh, yes, this vaccine, and this lockdown, and the agenda, and this occultic symbol, the six-point star, which is also seen in Freemasonry and in a lot of other occultic practices, it's all connected, isn't it, Andrew? It is, and you know, I, I really, I've been looking at this sort of, um, you know, news behind the news. What's really going on for, you know, getting on for twenty years now? But I really never imagined that I would be living in a time. It was something that we would talk about, but a, a time that actually they would be trying to mandatory. Um, give you a mandatory vaccine that had a chip in it that had a, a 666 patent and uh, you know last year we couldn't have we wouldn't have talked about this sort of thing and it just goes to show how fast that they've pushed it and I'd like to know Peter your thoughts you know you're a Christian ministry a Christian missionary rather you've got a vast ministry in South Africa did you ever imagine that you'd be living in the times of Revelation 13? No, I must say, I, I did not. Uh, and, uh, uh, of course, as someone who's ministered persecuted churches, I'm, I'm well aware of what many of our brethren suffered in Russia and in Ukraine and Romania. And uh, I've ministered to people who've, who've suffered under communism where there was, uh, you could see a portent of a lot of this. But, of course, they did not have all the technology available that's available to the Bill Gateses and George Soros's and Rothschilds of today, did they? So we've had portents and warnings of, of what's to come in communism. And of course, somebody like George Orwell, who was a communist uh, and who uh, saw what was going on in Stalin's Soviet Union, uh, who then ended up being an anti-communist and warning about it. But while we've seen some, some elements, which was nightmarish enough as it was, but to see this today in, in the hands of people who are communists, but this technology and they have worked out how they can get acquiescence uh, and subservience to their gender by putting it in the name of fighting a virus or some medical emergency. It's, it's very uncanny, uh, something that I'm sure if any of us had suggested this eight months ago, let alone a couple of years ago, people would have laughed us out of court and said, oh, yeah, don't be ridiculous. That's what a conspiracy theory. So, yes, 
uh, right now we really should wake up and shake up and see all of our freedoms are at risk. This is why Magna Carta was written, to protect our rights, and we need to get back to our chartered rights that are guaranteed in the oldest statute, Magna Carta, which is founded in so many ways on the dooms of King Alfred, which is rooted completely in the scriptures. And so the laws of God and the teachings of Christ in the Gospels, these are the foundations of freedom and civilization. And the further we drift from them, the more we go into tyranny. And we have no real choice. It's either a biblical reformation, a back to the Bible reformation, or we are going into revolution and tyranny. And I think we can all see where this is going. Uh, we've had a peek behind the Iron Curtain as to what happened under the Soviet Union. This could be worse because the technology they've got at the hands is hideous. Now, of course, as Christians, we believe that ultimately all these plans of the wicked will fail and God will destroy them. And you also read in Revelation about uh, the smoke of their torment will rise forever. God will judge them uh, along with Satan. Those who follow Satan, those who receive the mark, will be judged by a holy God, a God of wrath who hates evil. So we need to stay on the winning side and refuse to ever compromise either our faith or freedoms or our eternal destinies by giving in to any of this. It's, we need to realize this is an absolutely serious. This isn't just a battle for our lives or for truth or faith or freedom. Uh, this is a battle for our eternal souls. This is a battle uh, between Christ and Satan, ultimately. And uh, we need to be sure that we are right with God and uh, that we are not in any way associated with the beast or any of his disciples, because uh, behind this new world order is Satan. And I think we can see it as I've studied the history of the six point, it starts quite clear to me that behind all this is the devil himself. And I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want to in any way compromise my loyalty to our Lord Jesus Christ. I stand for faith and freedom. I stand for the Lord. I stand against every symbol of Satan. And that certainly has to include rejecting the 666 of which the six pointed star is obviously a symbol. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And let me just get this in quickly. Um, I've not prepared it, so I hope that the level's okay, but I really want to get Peter's comments on on this. Uh, it's uh, Alan Dershowitz, folks, on false vaccinations. We'll see what the levels are here. Uh, let me put it very clearly. You have no constitutional right to... In Uh, oh, I don't know what happened there. Hold on, folks. Let me uh, go back to it. I think I know. Right, here we go. I'll, I'll uh, start it from the beginning. Um, just go back to it. Uh, let me put it very clearly. You have no constitutional right to endanger the public and spread a disease, even if you disagree. You have no right not to be vaccinated. You have no right not to wear a mask. You have no right to open up your business. Wait, can I stop you? Did yeah. No right not to be vaccinated, meaning if they decide you have to be vaccinated, we have to be vaccinated? Absolutely. And if you refuse to be vaccinated, the state has the power to literally take you to a doctor's office and plunge a needle into your arm. If the vaccination Where is that in the Constitution? To prevent, if the vaccination is designed to prevent the spreading disease. If the vaccination is only to prevent a disease that you will get. For example, if there's a disease that will kill you, you have the right to refuse that, but you have no right to refuse 
to be vaccinated against a uh, contagious disease. Public health, the police power of the Constitution. There you go, folks. In America, you have no right to refuse a vaccine if the government determines that it's going to prevent the spread of a disease. Peter, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, these are the same people who told us that hundreds of millions of people would be dead in a few months. Remember that back in March? That's why we had to have the lockdown, because this was the most deadly disease ever. It's going to be worse than the bubonic plague and the Spanish flu combined. Remember, these are the people who told you initially wearing a mask makes no difference. And then later you must wear a mask and now that must be mandatory. And uh, on and on, they have not just lied to us, they have been wrong. So why should I trust medical professionals who, by the way, justify legalized abortion, euthanasia, and a whole lot of other things? There are medical professionals in the Netherlands, for example, who over a thousand times a year euthanize a patient who has neither asked for it nor any of their relatives have asked for it. Government-employed doctors are killing thousands of patients in the Netherlands and Belgium combined, for example, uh, just because they have the power to. So when you give doctors that sort of power to stick a needle in you, this happened in the Soviet Union. In the Soviet Union, there were tens of thousands of Christians, including hundreds of pastors, who were murdered by doctors. They were ordered to come in to the state hospital or doctor for a checkup, and then uh, their family was uh, contacted to say, come and collect him. He died during the routine checkup. And there's no doubt they were just stick a needle in him and, and inject something that would kill him or an air bubble in the veins, whatever it may be. Doctors have been used to murder babies, to murder uh, old patients or sick people and so on through euthanasia. They've been used for all kinds of hideous experiments in Red China and the Soviet Union and to be able to keep in a stupor people who are called psychiatric prisoners, people who the government couldn't quieten down in any other way. So they, they declared them a psychiatric patient, locked them up and and put medicine in. Why should we trust people who gave us, for example, the thalidomide disaster, who assured us that thalidomide back in 1959, this would protect women from uh, uh, morning sickness? My mother was one of the people who took thalidomide and was advised to have an abortion with me because medical science had assured them that this was safe, thalidomide was perfectly safe to prevent morning sickness, but the children from it were born without arms and legs and horribly deformed. And uh, it's only by God's grace that I've got my legs and arms because uh, the doc- that I was born at all, because the doctors were wrong. The doctors said, you must abort. The doctors said, you must take this drug. The doctors said, this is safe. When are we going to stop putting our faith in man, especially politicized characters like Dr. Fauci, who hasn't put on a stethoscope or dealt with a patient in the last 20 years, according to uh, professional frontline doctors who've been on the ground. They said, here he is deciding what to be done with people after everything he predicted and warned about was wrong. And all his predictions and models were light years out of sync with reality. Uh, So, no, we can't trust politicians and we certainly can't trust politicized, what do we call them, uh, medical dictators who want to say you have no rights. Uh, no, um, we would say under no circumstances. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you so much, Peter. And we're pretty much out of time. So can you let the audience know where they can find your work and how they can get in touch with you? Certainly, yes. Our mission, Frontline Fellowship, you can find on social media. Our website's frontlinemissionsa.org. So the SA stands for South Africa. We're based in Cape Town, South Africa. My email is peter at frontline.org.za. 
mission at frontline.org. Uh, uh, mission, sorry, frontlinemissionsa.org is the website. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's always a joy to be on your program. Well, it's always wonderful to have you on. I know I speak for the audience, Peter, to say how delighted we are that you come on generally every week these days. And, folks, uh, that's it for today. Um, I don't know what else we can say. I don't know what else I can give you to warn you of what is coming and how you really need to get prepared, get stocked up, because there may become a time where you can't go to the shops if you don't take this mark. So thank you for listening. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, folks, bye.